Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. How's it going, everyone? It's good to see you. I am so thankful to be back. Thank you for your generosity and letting us go and celebrate my grandfather uh, this last weekend who uh, passed away and we we attended his memorial service down in Oregon, so uh, thankful to be able to have done that. I'm thankful to be back with you all, but you, you might say, after we get done today, hey, Pastor Kyle, can we just have Pastor Holly preach from now on? Because today in James, we are focusing on chapter 3. Uh, so if you just read the subtitle for chapter 3, it says, Controlling Your Tongue. And you might think to yourself, Nope, I'm done. Let's just go to the next chapter. I was joking, I heard someone earlier this morning said, oh, we're talking about that? I think I'm sick. I have to go home. (laughs) Uh, Because today in James, we're going to be talking about this very, very difficult topic. The idea of controlling your tongue, what we say to each other, is so very relevant for our day. Amen? (laughs) It is not, it is desperately needed in all layers and levels of dialogue within our society, including the church. It's very important. In my opinion, this is some of the most in-your-face calling out of the people of God that we find in the Bible, sitting right next to a few things that Jesus said to the Pharisees, which we'll look at one of those. So, are you ready? I'm going to read a good chunk of chapter 3 because we need to hear what it says. So I'm going to read James 3 verses 1 through 12. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of darkness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth, Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out uh, with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Wow, (laughs) pretty, pretty direct in what James is thinking about this part of our life. Now, there's a lot of important things that we could say Uh, about this chapter. Uh, One of the things that I want to continue to highlight is we've been very careful in the last few weeks making the connection in James with that true faith requires action. That's part of the main theme in the book of James. 
But action without wisdom, that is God's wisdom, can go real bad real fast, right? (laughs) Have you ever experienced that in your own life? James is clearly making the case here that this area, our words, is where our action without God's wisdom can and usually does go bad and to devastating effect. So I want to just hit you with uh, one of the main points that James makes that I'm going to be making right from the beginning. James doesn't dance around the truth and neither will I. Underlying this whole discussion is the truth that's, that what's in your heart will be displayed in your life. There's no choice about it. And more specifically, what's in your heart will usually come out in what you say. <laughs> and this is where we all, we hear that we're like, I almost put that meme up, you know, that meme up on the screen, because it's, it's hard to hear that. This is a part of what James is saying to us. Just in case you're wondering, Jesus says something very similar in one of those infamous confrontations between himself and the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 12, we find this powerful story of when Jesus healed a man possessed by a demon. And it reads like this. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. So as you can imagine, Jesus was not very happy with that response. And he kind of laid into the Pharisees for a few verses. Uh, And some of what he says, uh, we find just a few verses later in 25 and 26. Any kingdom divided by a civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His, His own kingdom will not survive. In verse 28, Jesus says, But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has already arrived you. Essentially, he says, and you're missing it. <laughs> right? You're not, because you're not following the wisdom of my ways in the kingdom of God. Jesus ends this whole thing by commenting on the condition of their heart. And don't miss this because this is the same point that James is making. In uh, Matthew 12, 33 through 37, it says, A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, or in some translations, you nest of vipers. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. He goes on, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. See, this is why you're like, okay, enough, Kyle. We want Pastor Holly back, right? (laughs) This is hard stuff. What's in your heart will be displayed in your life. There's no choice about it. And what's in your heart usually comes out in what you say. How are you doing with this? Are you reflecting? Is the Lord speaking to you? N.T. Wright puts it this way, that the tongue, it seems, is the last bit of a human being to learn its lesson. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) The misuse of our tongue is so easy to do And if we're honest, sometimes it feels so good, doesn't it? 
But the destructive use of words is absolutely not the way of someone who follows Jesus. At least it shouldn't be. James was spot on as he's talking to the Jewish believers, saying it's really important. This topic is so really important. I find it fascinating that he says, no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. See, what James does is identify something that for all of us can so easily be co-opted from its proper use by Jesus for the kingdom of God, that is to build up and to encourage, to actually speak life into our reality, And instead, it can become used to further what our spiritual enemy hopes for. To destroy, to tear down, to divide, to break apart unity. (laughs) One author I read this week wrote this. In, In John chapter 10, verse 10, we find Jesus saying, The thief, another name for the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And the author highlights, steal, kill, destroy. For Jesus, the devil is the archetype of, uh, of the villain who is hell-bent on destruction. He just wants to watch the world burn. His motto, tear it all down. Wherever he finds life, he tries to stamp it out. Beauty, deface it. Love, corrupt it. Unity, fragment it into a million pieces. Human flourishing, push it to anarchy or tyranny. Either way will do. His anti-life, pro-death, pro-chaos agenda is an insatiable fire. I love that kind of description that we hear uh, about that. And the choice that we have is how will we use our words? In which reality will our words contribute? The, the reality and truth of the kingdom of God or the plans for disunity and destruction by the devil? It's a really difficult dichotomy when we think about it. And I love what James does next. He would make a really great modern day preacher because he uses three examples or illustrations uh, that make the same point, right? To help his readers understand the power of our words. And I th- I'm, apologize for the slide. I think I've mislabeled the slide. Uh, it says Matthew 12, 33, the same reference as before. But this is from James chapter 3. It says, James chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 and verse 5. We can make a large horse go everywhere, wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. A small rudder makes a huge uh, ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. And even though, the winds are, even though the winds are strong, and a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. He's making one point. His point is this. Small things have great power. And we all need to understand our words, ironically, are never small, right? Small things have great power. The words that you say are never without consequence. They're never small. So think about it. Have you ever been encouraged by the smallest compliments? Have you, have you ever been able to get through a very difficult circumstance because someone came alongside of you and said, you can do it? <laughs> uh, On the flip side, have you ever experienced pain because someone used their words to tear you down, insult you, or diminish your value? Have you ever felt the sting of a loved one's harsh statement, maybe even in the heat of a moment? That pain can be deep, can't it? Small things have great power, and our words are never small. 
uh, just one little piece of metal under the tongue of a giant war horse can make it change directions at the whim of the rider. It's fascinating. A rudder can change the direction of an enormous ship, even in the most difficult of weather or storms. How many times have you heard of forest fires being start, started by a lighter being dropped or a match or a cigarette or something that starts a forest ablaze, right? Only you can prevent forest fires, right? <laughs> Small things have great power. We need to understand that sometimes our words may feel small, but they have great power. Pastor Holly and I were talking this past week about how in our culture today, especially in the public discourse, rhetoric has moved further and further to extremes. And what what that has conditioned us to think that we need to go along with that trajectory towards the extremes to be heard or to have any kind of meaning. (laughs) That's not what James is saying here. N.T. Wright wrote this, We know only too well how the tongue is a fire ready to set things ablaze from the way that words trip up politicians and other public figures. We know that one word out of place can ruin a career or bring down a government. One, uh, one unwise remark uh, reported and circulated on the internet can cause riots on the other side of the world. So, says James, the tongue is like a little world all of its own, a country within a country, the larger area, the person as a whole, may, well, may be well governed, but this smaller region, corruption and wickedness reign unchecked. I love that idea. Think for a moment about how you speak to your spouse. Think for a moment how you speak to your children, how you speak to your roommate or your co-workers, how you speak about people you don't even know. It matters. Your words have the power to build up or tear down, the power of life or death. Your words are never small, and what's, reflect, what's in your heart will be reflected in your, in your life, oftentimes by what you say. Oh, this is heavy stuff, isn't it? <laughs> I don't like this. As I was working on this this week, I had so many moments of, oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for the way that I have spoken to my family this last week. But I also recognize that this is difficult to try to change sometimes, right? We'll talk about a couple of, Pastor Holly and I will talk a couple, I'm going to invite her up in a moment and uh, we'll talk uh, together about some ways we can do that. So what James is after with his brutal confrontation of believers, and there's no getting around, it's brutal. Uh, He wants consistency. He wants people Uh, to follow Jesus through and through, to be blessing only people rather than blessing and cursing people, right? It's a high standard to be sure, but we should expect no less from someone like James or no less if the gospel is indeed our message of salvation and if it has truly changed our hearts, amen? This is rubber meets the road kind of following Jesus type stuff. Uh, Again, Uh, N.T. Wright cautions, the danger as always is that people will take bits of the message that they want and quietly leave the real challenges to one side. We don't want to do that. We want to live completely and fully into the way that God has called us. James is saying don't do that. This is hard but it's important. We have an ongoing opportunity to make real actual difference in the world and in people's lives with the words that we say. So we're holding two questions. Uh, kind of together 
Am I using words to build up or tear down? To give life or to curse, knowing that my words are never small, knowing that they have enormous power? How are you using your words? The second, is my heart transformed and governed by the love of God? Because what's in my heart will reflect, be reflected in my life and specifically in what I say. So we're holding those two questions. Uh, and, I, and I know this is a great week for some of this reflection. We're heading into Thanksgiving and you're likely going to be around family or friends. And you can see the consequences of the words that you say uh, immediately. As we think about this and reflect on this, these last, or this coming week. Pastor Holly, would you join me up here? Pastor Holly and I, we're going to talk about, we're going to go through six practical, these are going to be quick, okay? We're not going to do a whole nother sermon here, but, uh, well, unless we want to, because we could, no, just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about six different things, um, uh, practical steps that we want to highlight that will make this uh, maybe a little bit easier. We're not going to give another sermon here. You're so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's like what pastors always, you know, they, they, a pastor lie is they say they're almost done. Yeah, that's never, never the case. Just kidding. We're going to have to watch that because you're preaching about watching what you say, I know, yeah, right? Absolutely. You have to stop saying that. It's just not true. It's just not true. All right. So the first, the first kind of practical step that we want to highlight for controlling our tongue or helping is this. Dedicate your heart, your mind, and your tongue to the Lord daily. This is kind of a discipline type thing. Pastor Holly, you want to share a little bit about what you, you talked about in our podcast? Yeah. And I love this. This was great. Yeah. There's, you may be familiar with, um, there's a, 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 an ancient practice in the church of the, the liturgy of the hours, right? Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is praying at specific times throughout the day, and it's a beautiful practice. And as part of this, one of the traditions is that first thing in the morning, you wake up, and your prayer to God, and this has been, again, practiced just for centuries, your prayer could be, uh, open my lips, Lord, and I will praise you. This is what Christians are praying around the world and have prayed throughout the centuries, and I love that. Can you imagine if those were your first words every morning? Open my lips, Lord, and I will praise you. And I think there's two, uh, in those very simple words, in that very short phrase, there are really two things happening. There's this recognition that God will, can and will guide our words, that our lips will open because he has directed them mm-hmm. to. And then there's also our part of it saying that when my lips are open, it will be to praise you. Yeah. So there's, there's what God is doing and how we are responding. And I just love that. What yeah. a great way to start the day and just dedicate your words yeah. to the Lord. A lot of these are going to take real practical discipline type steps. James makes the case here. We can't control our tongue on our own. Yeah. We, it's, it's through God's power that we can do this. So I love that just a regular discipline every morning. I'm going to start the day. It really does make a difference by praising God only. I'm going to be careful with my words. Yeah, it does, it does both things. It, it provides yeah. that there is a spiritual power here in actually yeah. relinquishing that to God and yeah. praying. And then there's also this reminder throughout the day, this practice that, yeah. oh, wait, that's how I started my day. And it's going to become part of a, a, your daily um, thoughts and routine. Yeah. Another uh, one that takes discipline and practice, number two, pause before you speak. <laughs> That one can be really hard, especially if you're in the heat of the moment, right? Where you're, you're frustrated or you're upset or uh, you feel passionately about something. But this, this is such a good practice. It's a good practice spiritually at any point just to pause, mm-hmm. 
to ask the Lord from, for discernment. Is this a good thing to say yeah. right now? Can I say this, what I'm thinking and feeling, what I want to say? Can I say it differently with more love in a context that might actually communicate better? Right? Right. Yeah. Practice the pause. Practice and the I, pause. I'm sure you can think of somebody in your life there, because I know there are some people here in this room that come to mind. For me, that when you talk to them, there is this kind of automatic pause before they respond, a slowness to speak that is really beautiful. And you just know that when they speak, you want to listen because there's something good. They're about to say something good because they just don't let themselves speak unless it's yeah. edifying mm -hmm. and good. So when I see someone take that step back and pause and think before they respond, I know good things are coming. Yeah. This is a hard one, but it's an important one and will probably serve you very well if you can practice mm -hmm. this on a regular basis. Someone once uh, said, uh, taste your words before you spit them out. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Acknowledge uh, your need for discernment and God's grace to help you remain conscious, conscious of your words. Be intentional. Yeah. I love that. Uh, the third one, and this is this one might be difficult because, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, it's hard. It just is. Surrender your right to complain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't like that. <laughs> yeah, there's audible, an audible, oh. It's the tension of, yeah, that's a good idea, but I don't want to do that, right? Yeah, you should, you should definitely do that, Pastor yeah. Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> I know. it's a great idea I for you. I constantly complain. Yeah. yeah, no. I'm overly optimistic most of the time. Oh. Uh, yeah, but this, this is such a good one. Uh, we don't, <laughs> complaining often is, you know, a, a biting and critical and mm -hmm. not life-giving. And I don't know, I, I feel like we do feel like we, especially in the context of our public discourse today, feel like we have a right to this. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not what James says. It's a humility to be able to surrender your heart, mind, desires, wants, everything to the Lord and yeah. say, is what I'm about to say right now serving the kingdom of God or not? Right. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to give that over uh, to God. So, so hard, but such a vital part of being a follower of Jesus. I know one of the, uh, a person in my life who has served as a mentor once, once uh, told me that as a follower of Jesus, you have to give up your right to be offended, uh, which has been really difficult, but such good words. And this just falls right in line with that, that uh, we might think that as human beings living on this world, we have the right to complain. We have, especially in this country, we, we like to talk about our freedom of speech and that we get to say whatever we want. Not as followers of Jesus. That is, that is not a kingdom of God principle. So, yeah, this is tough, but so good. So good. And just as, as some, for some context, we're not saying, I mean, there, there are biblical mandates to stand up for things like injustice Absolutely. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's different than what we're saying here. Uh, and so this is a good one to practice and yeah. very, very hard. Uh, the fourth one, ask for accountability. We've been talking for, you know, ever since we started uh, kind of really focusing on our discipleship pathway about the, the spiritual benefit of having uh, close personal relationships that help us become more like Jesus. Right. Uh, mentoring, small groups, friends, family, whoever this can be for you. Say to someone, hey, I, I, I want to work on this part of my walk with the Lord, and I need some help. So I'm giving you permission to ask me really hard questions. <laughs> ask me, how did you speak to your husband this, today, or your wife today, or how are you speaking to your children? Ask those Wesleyan, Wesleyan questions. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you need to confess uh, but since the last time we spoke yeah. in this area of your life? But 
it is so, so vital for us to have um, support relationships where we have given them permission to ask anything. And even we talked about this in the podcast discussion this week, but I think even just vocalizing that, verbalizing that um, request to others that in itself holds us accountable. I remember uh, many years ago and when uh, Andrew and I were first married, we were in a small group at Pastor Mark and Judy Morrison's house in Bothell almost 20 years ago now. And I was struggling at that time uh, with a particular group of friends uh, who, when we got together, our conversation inevitably turned to uh, gossiping. And I was struggling with that. And I remember saying, bringing that up in their, in their group as this is, I need, I need prayer. I need help with this. And just, and they very graciously prayed for me. But at the same time, just saying that out loud is enough to kind of keep, to, to keep that in check. Because you know what? I was absolutely, after saying, please help me with this, was I going to go to that group and start gossiping? No, because I had just asked them for this help and accountability. So it's, there's, again, there's this spiritual power uh, of community, and then there's also uh, just that, that reminder mm-hmm. for yourself that you've, you've put this into words, yeah. and it's going to be a constant reminder. Yeah. This is a very good practice for all of us. Yeah. The fifth one, uh, to ask for forgiveness for unloving words or attitudes and apologize. This is just a, I mean, if you've been married for any length of time, this is a best practice for healthy relationships, yes, right? Sure. <laughs> uh, there, but there's a couple of sides of this, which is the, we're going to ask forgiveness from the Lord for this, because as James is very clear, this is important to our spiritual life, but it's also important to our relational life, yeah. whether it's with our spouse or roommates or coworkers or, or whoever. Yeah. We want to be quick to apologize and ask for forgiveness on both of those levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for those relationships that you mentioned, and also what comes to mind for me are relationships where there's any sort of differential in the authority. I'm thinking of parents apologizing to their children Mm -hmm. and just how powerful that can be. What an example of humility and just a healing of relationship there. So this is good. This is hard. It's hard to do. Once if you've had an argument or something to be able to sit down and say, hey, I really am sorry for the words that I spoke to you, mm-hmm. and uh, will you forgive me? Uh, but that can go a long way uh, to really healthy relationships yeah, and, sure. we're, and working on this whole issue. The last one that we want to highlight is this, practice speaking words that will encourage. Uh, there, <laughs> there's no uh, mystery about this one, uh, but... Uh, James is very clear. Scripture is very clear that if we speak words that encourage, Mm -hmm. it actually works to build up people, build up life, uh, create new possibilities, create new futures, free people, communicate value. I mean, it could go on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's such, our words do hold power. You were talking about this earlier, just in the message, that every word that comes out of our mouth holds some power to it. And we get to choose. We get to decide which way that will go. Is this going to, to be negative? Is it going to be positive? Is it going to hurt or is it going to help? Yeah. I don't think there really are neutral words. I think they yeah. hold uh, a power on one right. side or the other. And, and you know what? It doesn't take any more energy or any more facial muscles or whatever to speak positive words yeah. than negative. <laughs> so it's a great habit. to. I think it actually into. takes more facial muscles to frown than it does to I've smile. I've heard that. I've yeah. heard that. Yeah. yeah, yeah so I there like you that. go. That's there's a fun fact. <laughs> uh, I just want to end with this, that, you know, w- we need to think about our words as, as a part of what, what the Lord has given to us through the Holy Spirit. I mean, we are so incredibly blessed to be able to use our words to affect the world around us. 
And let's do that for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> let's do Amen. what we can, especially in our current world, to speak life knowing that uh, what we're filled with God's Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. Can I invite you to stand? Worship team, would you come on back up? Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and uh, we are uh, going to worship again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for uh, the word, for your word. Thank you for uh, James, that he had the courage to speak hard things, to write hard things. This is a difficult, uh, this is a difficult uh, way of life for those of us who call ourselves by your name. So help us. Uh, help us in those moments when we want to speak something harsh. Help us realize the power of what it means to speak life. Uh, God, especially this week and in the, in the weeks to come, may we work on this on a daily basis and uh, give us the courage and the power to live into this. We love you, Jesus. We want to follow you through and through, consistently with all parts of who we are. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.